It's the Skinny Podcast, only on Local12.com. Now, here's Richard Skinner. Welcome into the Skinny Podcast, the weekly potpourri edition. I'm Richard Skinner, Local12.com digital sports columnist and editor with Rick Broering. We look at topics locally and nationally and occasionally get to a wacky story or two. We'll see if we get to that this week or not. As always, it's presented by Joseph Chevrolet. Rick, lead us off. Skinny, the big news this week, the Cincinnati Bengals first-round draft pick Jonah Williams likely will miss the 2019 season after undergoing shoulder surgery for a torn labrum. Williams was expected to start at left tackle this season, but instead that spot will again be filled by veteran Cordy Glenn, we assume. Williams is expected to make a full recovery from the surgery, but I ask you, how big of an impact will first-round pick Jonah Williams' shoulder surgery have on the Bengals this year? I mean, they, they drafted him first for a reason. They plugged him in at left tackle on day one of OTAs for a reason because they want him to be the cornerstone guy. They want to build that running game up with him. It was going to be him, Cordy Glenn, and Drew Sample, the tight end they took in the second round. They were going to load up that side of the ball, of the line of scrimmage and say, here we come. So, yeah, I think it has a it has a huge uh, a huge impact. Now, it is softened by the fact that you do have a veteran who has played and started 90 games at left tackle, Cordy Glenn, but he also was a guy that's coming off arguably his worst year. It was a, it was a mediocre year at best. He wasn't awful. He wasn't glaringly bad. But he wasn't great. Very susceptible to speed rush. Correct. Um, and, and, and he's not getting any younger, so it's another year older doing that. Um, the only thing I can think of is, is maybe, because he, he moved to left guard. We've talked about this. He moved there somewhat willingly, but also somewhat kicking and screaming to some degree. There's a little fine line. I think he's, he's, I've said it. He's, he's pro enough to go do it and do the best he can at it. But I think he made it clear that I still think I'm a good left tackle and I want to play out there. So maybe for him, it's I'm going to prove to you guys that I can play out here, right or wrong. And you know, when Jonah Williams comes back, maybe he moves to guard. I, it's not going to well, happen. Uh, and, and you can't but, move him to right tackle because Bobby Hart's there. Bobby Hart's entrenched. Franchise. There. He's entrenched. There, Franchise Rick. player Bobby Hart. Three years worth of Bobby Hart. Um, Do they use the tag on him next time? Um, no, oh. I think I think they give him another give him another deal. No. Yeah, you, max max contract. Max contract if you had one. Um, yeah, I mean it, it does have an impact because. Um, you you drafted him as a guy that you were plugging and playing from day one, and now you're not going to do that. Uh, again, it is softened by the fact of Cordy Glenn, but then the flip side is suddenly your depth gets hit again, right? Because it, I, I think the alternative has always been Cordy Glenn kicks back out the left tackle, something happened to Jonah Williams. Well, Cordy Glenn also doesn't get through full seasons anymore either. Right. So at what point, did, when he gets hurt, then what do you do at that position? So you've gone... You've gone from what you thought was a very improved offensive line to all right, maybe a little improved, but is it enough to get you over the hump and turn six and ten into nine and seven or ten and six and make the playoffs? I think this has more of an impact on the fan base oh, than yeah. it does the actual team. There's but that. rightfully so. I mean, this is this is ridiculous. It they is. did everything right in this case too. He was a yep. guy who was extremely durable yep. in college. Yep. Didn't miss a start. Just extremely durable. And, and, and can you imagine? It's not like they do have soft practices, as I'm guessing, at Alabama. No. I'm just, and, and, I'm just guessing that. And by the way, I mean, we don't have any information on how this happened. It's, it happened in OTAs, it happened which in OTAs. essentially glorified stretching. Correct. Well, they're, they're, you do do you do drill work. Um, I mean, he could have done it on, on the blocking sled, perhaps. Maybe hit it too hard, hit it wrong, slip. Whatever. I mean, I, I'm just surmising here. Um, you know, one of our producers, Dave Slater, downstairs had a nice theory overnight when I was is? working with him that uh, Marvin Lewis might have sent uh, Nancy Kerrigan's situation <laughs> in a black Escalade and just popped out and... Just destroyed Jonah Williams' shoulder with the lead pipe. This is like a game of Clue. Marvin Lewis with the lead pipe in the library. And over the Rhine. And over the Rhine. There it is. OTR. OTR. Yeah. It's safe now. It's OTR. Um, 
Yeah, it was a, and it was an OTA that media wasn't at. We were allowed to go to one a week, and and um, uh, the other two OTAs each week. Was Allegedly, and, it happened in an OTA. No I, one saw it. I, no one saw it. But My we, theory but is we saw him in the last OTA practice before that. So, well, you know, he's from Alabama. He might have been riding a four wheeler or something. Uh, There's you, that I too. Mean, you, you never know. Yeah, never know. You never know. Uh, that, that's a good point. I mean, but uh, it is disappointing for sure. I mean, this is five straight years. Five straight where you're going to get nothing in year one out of your first-round draft pick. And that's the thing. It's not so much that like Jonah Williams was the difference between this team being good or great or taking them in a long playoff run. And, I, and maybe I, it makes I, maybe I, he makes a big difference. I think he we does make a that. big difference. I think you were hoping he made it. I, I but, say this. I think you were hoping he made a big difference. That's the thing. Is It's like the idea of getting to draft high is you are going to add a piece that can help you Correct. immediately Correct. And, and, and move forward. I feel like the Bengals can never move forward when they get to draft because the guy is always, first he's derailed by an injury, and then by the next year, well, he's coming off an injury, so he had to rehab. So he really didn't spend all that much time getting better at football and learning everything. He was rehabbing an injury. No question. So, I mean, you're just right back in that spot with another first-round pick. Um, It's That's tough. That is just brutal. No, it is. I mean, you know, you go back to Cedric Abway. The, the thing of Cedric Abway is, is you knew you weren't getting anything out of him that rookie year. You were okay project. with it because you already had two starting tackles at that point. So it was kind of a, a drafting for the future that obviously didn't work out. Um, you know, Will Jackson gets hurt right away. John Ross was hurt and out of the lineup and dropping and footballs and hated by his head coach. Um, you know, Billy Price, game two of last year, goes down for a period of time. So it, it is it is an incredible run of bad luck. And it's, it, it's one of those ones – it's not like they haven't done their due diligence to some degree, right? The, the only one I, I always question was John Ross, just because I of think his O'Boy, frame. I think oh boy, he was. I don't think I'm telling you. There's a lot of people that thought that was the right pick at the right time. I, I, I mean, he was a first round grade, and you didn't need him right away. So it was the right. I think it was the right thing to do. The problem was you didn't couldn't check his heart out. He doesn't care about football very much. Yeah. Yeah. So all right. Well, sticking on Bengals real quick, Skinny. ESPN made some over under predictions for NFL teams with fantasy football in mind. The prediction for the Bengals. Joe Mixon will go over 1,065 rushing yards in 2019. Mixon finished fourth in the NFL last year with 1,168 yards. Ezekiel Elliott led the NFL with 1,434 yards. Do you think Joe Mixon goes over 1,065 rushing yards this season? Um, I would have said definitely if Jonah Williams was there. I still think he does because it's it's he did it with the same offensive line basically. Yeah, last he went year. over that last year. Correct, and they did it too, and he did it in in games where they were trailing and, and at times having to throw out of necessity. I, I think with with a healthy AJ Green and other parts around it, and the fact of what they want to do in the running game, and the fact they want to do a lot of play action passing off of it. I think he gets more touches in the running game, and I, I think he approaches 13, 1,400 yards even. It, it, I think it's a real possibility. Yeah, I think specifically because the style that Taylor wants to run, it seems like we're going to see a lot of Joe Mixon yes. in a lot of different ways, and that makes sense. He's Correct. the Bengals' best player, and they've clearly tried to, despite Jonah Williams' injury, they've clearly tried to establish that that offensive line yeah, and, and their and, power run game is going to be a strength. And I don't, I don't think that's going to change. I, I mean, it, no, it I may either. have to as you go along the season you, and you look and go, well, we can't run block certain things, but I think that I don't think the plan's going to change because of the Jonah Williams injury. So that will ensure that I think he gets to that mark. Yep. The only reason I would have had some apprehension and say you can't just take last year's numbers and say, oh, he's definitely going to get there again, is the fact that last year when all those guys got injured, you had to 
relying on him so heavily. He became yeah. the game plan yeah. after that, AJ and Andy and Tyler don't and forget all those, those guys those, were getting Those injured. yards last year came with him also missing a couple games, too, because of the knee injury. They so. did, and you also had all the defenses keying on him. So Correct. That, that, all that stuff right. works both ways, obviously. Yeah. But I, I would say that's one thing to keep in mind is that he got a ton of opportunity sure. last year when all those other guys went out. But I still think he probably pretty easily gets over 1,065 yeah, yards. Yeah, I mean, if you, if you get him eight, an average in 18 carries a game and he averages four and a half yards per rush, you're talking about a guy averaging about 80 yards a game, and that gets you that gets you in the 1,200-yard, almost 1,300-yard category. And I don't think that's a stretch. I think 12 or 1,300 yards is very much in the ballpark for him. So I'll go way over the 1,065. All right. Skinny, not only locally but nationally, big news broke over the weekend when it was reported by Digital Sports Desk that UConn is planning to leave the American Athletic Conference for the Big East, likely starting in the 2021 school year. The Big East voted on extending the invite Monday morning, and UConn's Board of Trustees is expected to vote on accepting the invitation as we record this on Wednesday morning. A ceremony is expected to happen at noon on Thursday at Madison Square Garden. According to the Hartford Current, the exit fee is expected to be close to $12 million for the Huskies. So let's start here. We've got a few questions related to this topic, but the first one... Who do you think are the winners and losers with UConn leaving the AAC and joining the Big East? I think the loser is UConn football because where does it go? What does it do? And maybe it goes away. I don't. I mean that that still hasn't. They they really have been pretty hush hush on what they're going to do with that football program. And maybe they're doing a back channel deal with another league, right? To to, to take them for football. I think that's the big loser to me. Um, I mean the winner is is I think UConn basketball fans, and it's not a knock on UC or Houston or SMU or any of those teams. UConn basketball fans are not familiar with them. Maybe you see a little bit, but they're not familiar with those. They're, they're familiar with Georgetown, and they're familiar with Villanova. I mean, those rivalries were built up over a long period of time. Um, they were an original member of the of the of the old Big East, uh, the original Big East. Um, so I, I think to me, the the winners there are definitely I would say UConn basketball fans because they get their league back. Yeah, I think I think almost everyone is a winner in this in this situation, except for maybe. The schools in the AAC, the basketball fans of the AAC, and the schools who really felt they had good things going in the AAC, because you do lose a team that, like, it's like, identifiable nationally. Yeah, like it or not, I mean, people, the AAC fans are so down on UConn because they've had you know a bad run of four and or five years And rightfully so, because now. you thought you thought they were going to be one of the ones that was going to elevate your league in basketball, right? Right, right, and that didn't happen. And obviously, they've been very vocal about that being the fault of the American Athletic Conference and not the fact that. Their administration is terrible, and they hired a bad Correct. coach in Kevin Ali. But I, I think like they still ma- they've won four national championships in the last twenty years. They matter, and, as they, a brand. and they won one as an AAC member. And despite the fact that their fans have lost a lot of interest recently, I think that has more to do with one the losing, but also the fact that you are in the AAC and right. they just do not care about those Correct. other teams. UConn's fans are a rabid fan. No base. question. They love basketball up there. Not just men's, but women's also. So, I mean, this this will hurt the AAC from a brand perspective. At the same time, I don't think it's as bad as a lot of people I don't might think. Because if you're in the AAC, you're never going to be a big-time Dude, brand. It's, and it's one less team to compete with. Exactly. I mean, that's at, just it. At the end of the day, if you're a, a, a Cincinnati, for instance, because we're local. I mean, that's the team everyone's worried about here. If, if you're Cincinnati... Your only goal in the AAC is to win the conference every year and dominate Dominate, it and make sure you're in the best possible position. You don't really want to have 
three or four other teams that could knock you down, not only out of out of winning the conference, but maybe to third or fourth in a conference that really is only going to compete for two, three, four bids at right. most any year. Your brand, the brand of your conference is never going to be risen to the point that you're in there with even the Big East or any of the major conferences after the Big East that are that are higher than that. And it was the same way with Xavier in the A-10. And they're very similar conferences when you look at their metrics. So I, I just I think that losing UConn from the AAC really doesn't hurt the AAC in any way that much. It helps I, I, them in football. Absolutely. It maybe hurts slightly in some ways in basketball, but helps for some of the other teams yeah, that are I trying to win it. I don't think it is a bad thing for the AAC. I really don't. I'm with you. And then on the flip side, it's it's a great thing for the Big East. You lock down Madison Square Garden. No one is ever going to take Madison Square Garden from you now because you just ensured that you are going to sell a ton more tickets to that event when the Big East tournament happens. You got a recognizable brand, a brand that will help you recruiting in that area by raising your profile a little bit because you're surrounded by like teams from the Northeast. I mean, it it makes a lot of sense, I think, for everybody. You know, I, I don't. It still shocked me, though. I mean, it, it, you got to be because it just came out of the blue, right? It was surprising that it just like. It's now. It's yeah, happening right, right now. Because right. we've heard rumblings for a while. And then obviously when the new ESPN deal came out with right. the AAC, UConn was very vocal about it um, in, to the media, complaining about how low the deal was and how bad this relationship has been for them, essentially. And maybe that should have tipped us all off more. Um, of course, you had the other factor of this being Digital Sports Desk being the one to God, first report God, that. God love them. It had everybody thrown off Saturday morning because they reported it late Friday mm-hmm. night. And everyone on Saturday was like, is this a is this real yeah. place? Yeah. And then finally you started seeing like Dane O'Neill and some of the other. And the Hartford paper then got involved with it too. So yeah, that national they, it all of a sudden became very, very legit. Uh, uh, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Well, no, you go ahead. No, I was just saying, the only thing, I, I'm not sure I like the 20 conference game deal. I do like the round robin format. So you're talking about for any conference or for the Big yeah, East moving? Yeah, for, for any conference. But the Big East is going to play 20 conference games now because you have 11 teams and they're going to. I do like the fact, I love the round robin. I've always. It, I think that's the best thing conferences can do is play each other home and home. I think it's a great, great thing. I don't know. I just, I get it. I get you're trying to cannibalize yourself. And, and if you do good things outside the league that once you cannibalize each other, it probably doesn't hurt you. But I don't, man, that just seems like a lot of conference games, man. It's been pretty, it, it, these things can always be a fluid situation in terms of schools changing their mind or conference affiliation changing their mind. But like, it sounds like UConn was the only school that's being considered yes. to add. Like, I don't think the Big East is looking to bring in another team to I, make I, sure you have 12. Well, and I thought, I thought that's what they were going to do. Cause I thought, well, boy, this might be a win for Dayton. Um, but it doesn't sound like that's what they're going to do. Um, because they do want to stick with the, with the round Robin. You're not playing more than 20. I mean, 20 is a stretch to play. Um, it just feels like a grind to play 20 conference games. It takes away your flexibility. Um, in your non-conference because now especially last year when you saw the way the selection committee handled it it seemed like they wanted you to win a lot of games they didn't want to see losses even if it meant your strength of schedule suffered as a result they wanted to see you win games and so when you're playing all those conference games against teams that you know are going to be high major opponents even if you know some of them are DePaul who are at the edge of that top 100 yeah, but even that's De- still even a grind De- De- compared to an extra bye game correct DePaul's better than Canisius that would be a bye game right exactly so you losing that extra flexibility to get yourself a win at home in the non-conference you're right I mean one it makes it a longer grind but two it also you really lose some flexibility and and I think the other thing, season ticket holders will not like the fact that you're you're not. I mean, I don't know that the Xavier is going to be able to schedule a high major team in the non conference for the next few years, especially if you keep I, I the think, series you got going with Wake Forest. Right, and, and I, that's what I was I was trying to think of what you would do. So you have you would have 
probably what ten non-conference games, right? Yeah, but the crosstown shootouts already there. Well, I'm just talking about. I'm just, I'm just thinking of, of yeah, well, not just Xavier, but any other team. Well, well yeah, let's use Xavier as an example. You, yeah, you got you're locked in the crosstown shootout. You're locked into Wake for now, for and I now. think that's fine. I, I it, it, there's a I, purpose to it. I but could I, see I, them getting out. I, of that I could one. too, and maybe you have a different Skip Prosser game of some kind, or maybe you meet them every four, four years, or five whatever. years. Yeah, yeah. correct. Um, you have the uh, the Gavit the Gavit games. Um, yeah, which I think they'll probably. My that guess go is away? They, my guess is they play that through the duration of the contract, and then and it's then done. Re- revisit. It. Um, you you get a chance to probably play a post or a uh, an in season tournament of some kind well, somewhere, they, and they just started the Big Twelve challenge, correct? Too. Big East Big Twelve. So you know, and then you're you're now we're down to what three or four games that are going to have they're going to have to they're going to have to be by games. You're, I mean, you got to have some kind of breather in your schedule, and you got to ease into it, right? So yeah, all four of those have to be by games. Yeah. You would think. So um, I would think they try to get out of the the Wake Forest series, and then I would think the two challenges. After they run their duration of the contract, I don't think they'll get out of it immediately. I think they'll go ahead and play that. It makes sense for everybody. But once it's over, I don't think you'll see any of the conferences involved in those challenges be too excited to continue them because it seems like all the major conferences are going to 20-game schedules. No, yeah, exactly. This is not just the Big East that's doing it. Right, Big Ten did it last year. The ACC is doing it, I believe, or is in the process of of, of going to 20 games. So you're seeing more and more do it. Um, now, I will say as a season ticket holder, though, I think you do like those in-conference rivalries, and you just add another one to it that now you've got 10 conference games at home, and I, those seem to always have more juice to them, Yeah, right? I mean, you guaranteed yourself UConn, um, whereas some years maybe you would have gotten a, a bigger high-major non-conference game, but some years you might have gotten an extra buy game instead well, of UConn, it, you know? so Some of those are, you know, you've gotten Georgia. I mean... Right. I, How much does that mean? Does Missouri correct. really make correct. you that much more excited? Correct. It's not like Duke and North Carolina yes. coming to the Centaur correct. Center. So correct. you're not getting home and homes with them. It's, so it's, I think UConn is on par with anybody absolutely. you'd be hoping to get. Absolutely. It just feels like as a coach, though, man, to put yourself through a 20-game conference schedule, man, there ain't much of a breather there. That is a grind, especially if the league continues on the trend it's it's on, which I don't doubt that it's going to. Um, it, you, you have no night off, and that – I know people can laugh at that, but that that is a grind for everybody. On the flip side, it sounds like the AAC is also going to stay at 11. They lost yep. 12th member in UConn. A lot of people were talking about, well, what do they do? They get a football-only school you, you or do they stand pat? It sounds like they're going to stand pat in both sports. Of course, you, you, you don't play everybody in the league anyway in football as it is, so that it's just one lesson. I thought I think it was Navy's athletic director or maybe even the football coach that said, they didn't seem like they were too concerned. It was hey, we got one less share to pay out. Great, we yeah. more money for everybody. Then that that's fine. I mean, when UConn football came here, it, it didn't move the needle an ounce. Not at. I mean, they went zero and eight last year Correct. in conference, right? I mean, they 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 were so bad at football. This is absolute. No one wanted to play football with UConn, and I don't think. I mean, there's a couple schools that may have made some sense to add for the AAC, but ultimately, like geographically and everything else, like. It probably just isn't worth it. I no. think they're right. Just pay it, pay out one less share, and, and and keep moving. And I think that's good for basketball and football. I don't think it makes it, a difference. Yeah, in basketball, I guess the only unfortunate part is you're taking because to their to the league's credit, they've tried to schedule the better teams against each other twice, um, and it's it's obviously an uneven schedule the way it's done. All right, so maybe you play home and home with Tulane. All right, so what? So it's one one more win you got guaranteed at home that you don't have to worry about. Yeah, that I, I will say that stinks, but I mean, especially for UC fans who are used to a Mick Cronin schedule, that you were getting three hundred buy games in those yeah, spots before, I, so I don't think it's I, that yeah, big of a I, deal. I don't think it is either. I, I think this is a win for for everybody concerned. Yeah, um, the only thing I can say, the only one that's a loser is what does UConn do with football? If you're a UConn football fan, and there's not many of them, 
what, what becomes of your program? Do they go back to FBS um, or whatever Division One AA is? Do they abolish it altogether? Do they try to play independent? Well, that, and that's what sound most of the reports coming out, and nothing's concrete at this point. But most everyone seems to think, look, the MAC has already said they don't want them. Right. Conference USA has already said they don't want them. There's not a whole lot of logical options after that. So it's they would try to be an independent. It's hard at that point. I mean, what, the only thing I can fathom that makes any sense aside from them whacking the program or dropping down to FBS is being an independent, you schedule five home games, seven road games, and all seven of them are buy games. You just go and get your brains beat in and try to make back seven to $10 million that's, on buy I, I games. Guess, I guess that's, that, that, that's, that's a decent idea. You'd be a big buy game. You get yeah. 500000 to $2 million per game, I think. And they've been in the, I mean, their, their athletic department's been in the red for a while. They lost $40 million yeah. last year. Yeah. So which, that's unfathomable. So correct. at this point for football, because they spent so much money on it, I don't think they're going to whack the program now. They, they built that facility and everything. But the issue is you're continuing to just lose a ton of money on it. And that's not going to change. Correct. Like going to independent isn't going to fix that problem unless you completely just sell your soul. Well, you, you would have to because as an independent, you, I mean, you're not, they're not going to negotiate their own TV deal, for goodness sakes. Right. Um, they're not good enough to do the Notre Dame situation where you can negotiate your own network. They're, they're not good enough to go to a bowl to get whatever bowl share you're going to get. So that's, that's the only thing you can almost do is, is go, go do seven bye games. And then when you come back home, the problem is those five home games, you're still going to get no one showing up for because right. one, you've you, lost you all stink. these bye right. games. And two, no one's going to come play you in, in a one. You're not playing home and homes probably. And two, no one's going to come play you. That's any goods at your stadium for a one-off. So you're in a situation where you're probably playing FBS schools and the worst of the worst in FCS. I, I thought of one other loser in this too. There's one other loser. Who's that? One other group of people that are losing. Women's basketball coaches currently in the Big East. Now no seeing question. UConn come back. Melanie Moore. Woo! Melanie Moore is trying to rebuild the Xavier program, which has just stunk for years now. And in her second year, she's going to be going against Gino yeah. Arama. Yeah, good luck. Welcome, Coach. Welcome yeah. to the Big East. How's that? Uh, I'm going to guess all those teams were like, well, no, no, we, we, don't, we don't need them. We, we don't want them. Um, good that luck with you. Brutal. That's brutal. Yeah. All right, Skinny. The MLB non-waiver trade deadline is just over a month away, and every baseball writer either has already or will very soon file a story about whether the team they're covering will be buyers or sellers. You wrote about the fact that the Reds are close to adding a 2018 National League All-Star to the lineup in Scooter Jeanette and a 2017 National League All-Star pitcher to the starting rotation in Alex Wood, although he did just have another setback yeah, uh, Tuesday night. We'll get to her in a sec. Will the Reds be buyers or sellers over the next month, in your opinion? I think I think what they do between now and the All-Star break will dictate that. If they can stay in the in the race and they got a chance because they got the Cubs coming to town, um, you got to take care of business. So it, it looked like, I mean, honestly, the first inning of the Milwaukee game on Saturday, I thought, man, oh man, they're going to, they're, they are not only right back in it, they're going to be back in it quicker than anybody could have thought. And since that point in time, everything's gone backwards. They lost yeah. that game. They lost the next day. They, they have a setback with Alex Wood, who looks like he was, looked like he was going to come back right after the all-star break. Um, man, I, 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 it's hard to say it right now. I, I, I don't think you can definitively say one way or another what they are going to do. I, I thought the additions of Jeanette and Wood are almost like, you don't need to make a deal. You're getting two all-star caliber players back without having to deal anybody. Well, um, I, I like the point you made that no one else is probably going to be able to do that unless they're pulling off a significant right, trade, right, which how right. often do you... I mean, yeah, maybe one happens a year, but not many teams are going to be able to add two pieces that would that you would place the same expectations and, and, and on as part. Scooter Jeanette and Alex Wood. Here's the other part for the Reds. What, what, what chips do you have to deal to make... If, if you think you're going to be in this... What chips do you have to deal to make yourself better? That you want to deal. Yeah, I mean, yeah. are you going to deal Yasiel Puig just because he's 
gone at the end of the year. If you again, I, I'm doing this of if you're still in it. No, because he's still you're you one get of your legitimate right handed power bats, and you're getting nothing back for him. Exactly. Right, it's a Are you going to give up Taylor Trammell to add a piece? No, because you're, no. you're not completely there yet. And I think that's why this it makes this question kind of easy for the Reds because they're in a position finally, and, and we don't know for a fact that they're like trending in the right direction, but it feels it like, feels like they with are. The, the personnel situation, yeah. they are finally got themselves into a spot where maybe they have a competitive enough roster right now to where they're not putrid to watch. Right. I've enjoyed watching them over the I last too. month. It's been good baseball. It's been fun baseball. And you feel like they're, they're legitimately in, game, right. in the contention. So I think all that stuff is going well, but then you're also in a position where you do have some prospects coming up and you're still working this plan and you have contracts in the right spot. And you, outside of Joey Vada's contract, which I don't think is the worst in baseball or anything like that, you don't have any big albatrosses around your neck in terms of your flexibility. Correct. Your, your guys like, you know, Yasiel Puig, and those are expiring contracts after this year. So you do not have to do anything but at the same time, you could do something. If someone's coming to you, right. there is some flexibility there for you, and you do have a little bit of juice and and a few pieces that you can move around if you really want to make a deal. So I think the Reds are going to not necessarily be buyers. They're going to be more, we, we like where we're atters. Yeah. And if you've no, got, if you got no. an offer we can't refuse, we'll, we'll, we'll engage. It. Right. No, I think that's I think that's a good way to put it. I think that's exactly how you, how you can be. And I think that... In that regard, you're dealing from a position of strength, right? That you're not forced to make a deal. You're not forced to dump salary. You're not forced to dump contracts. If you get a good offer, take the offer. If you don't, stand pat with what you got and, and move forward with it. Um, I, I I know there was a, a story last week that the Reds said they were open to adding a controllable hitter, and what they mean by that is controllable contract-wise. Yeah, And but... this is going to sound goofy. Where does he play? Where does that guy play? Well, I think there are spots for him to play, but more importantly – who isn't open to adding that? You know, well, I mean, correct, that's like correct. saying I, I'm, you know, Mo. I think Mo Egger tweeted something about he's interested in uh, dating Kate Upton or something like that. You know, I mean, well, it's sure. just like, yeah, that's, that's uh, the, yeah we've all got analogy. interest in adding a controllable right. bat, but there's very few of those and it's very hard to obtain and but, no one's looking to but deal. But I still go back to where does that guy play? What? I mean, you could definitely use another bat in this lineup. Right. So whether are that's you, an so, outfielder. So, so let me ask you this. Are you giving up on Jesse Winker? I don't think you have to give up on him okay. to move him out of the starting lineup. Ooh, Really? Yeah, I, I would have no problem with moving Winker out of the starting lineup right now and making him a bench bat. Really? Yeah. I mean, you're going to do that with Dietrich, right, when Jeanette comes back, theoretically? I think Dietrich becomes, Dietrich becomes the bounce-around guy. Right, yeah, the utility uh, guy. A couple, okay. couple days in the outfield, a day at second, day at first, whatever. I think he becomes the bounce-around guy, and you can get a, you can get that guy a lot of it back okay. still. Okay, but, I mean, he's been a whole lot better than Winker, but you have a problem. You have no problem moving him out of the starting lineup. So, Well, or, or he, he takes Winker's place in left field. That's my point. Is one, one of the two of them is going to play left field. Senzel's going to play center. Puig, for now, is going to play right. Well, You're mean, not moving Suarez off a third. You're not moving Iglesias off a short. Jeanette's coming back to play second. You probably could think about it, but you're not moving Votto off first, and you're not going to get a controllable bat as a catcher. So my point is, where do you play this person you add? I mean, replace, re, replace Puig in right field he's been pretty terrible all year you also i mean if you again you're if you're getting a controllable bat I, yeah. you're probably not doing it like i mean it's going to be a trade right yeah so, so if, if theoretically you throw Puig into the yeah, trade or maybe, something maybe more than likely I don't, I don't think it's just happening in a one-off scenario where yeah in a vacuum is, where no one else and, and maybe that's the, maybe that's the case i just i, I mean but I, I don't understand where's the apprehension in moving Puig or winker out of the starting lineup neither one of them have produced at an I, impressive level i look dude if, if you thought about moving Puig out you'd have done it before by putting dietrich in one of the outfield spots on a regular basis i, I mean and, and again don't get me wrong like i'm totally fine with Puig. i think there's nothing but upside left this year with Puig because he's he's done the worst to the worst so far for him. Um, he's starting to come Winker, on a little Winker, bit. Winker was your your guy. So what's happened? Not your guy. I'm talking about he was kind of a 
corner piece coming up, and suddenly now you're taking him out of the lineup a year into two years into the process. Well, I just I just don't think he's gotten to the point where he's like. I don't either. I'm, I'm just I don't. No, no, I don't either. But if you're the Reds, I don't think you're also going to go. Yeah, let's 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 get rid of him this quickly. I don't think you're doing that. I don't know that you're getting rid of him, but if you can get a controllable bat, and yeah, I, I don't I think, think it means a, I think that's a big if. If you can get a right, and that's the that's thing. A, I mean, yeah. we're we're dealing with a hypothetical right. that is very right. unlikely to happen. But if you've had that situation where you got a guy who is an immediate and that's plug why I go back to if you're asking starter. if you're asking if they're buyers or sellers, I think it goes back to I don't I don't think you're either. I think you are yeah. listeners. I think you listen to deals, and if it works for you, great. If it doesn't, so be it. Right. There's just. To be honest, there's just probably nothing out there that's really going to make sense for the Reds Correct. at this point. Because Correct. And that's why I think, again, you're knocking on wood here with Alex Wood, no pun intended, that, that he's going to eventually lick this back issue and come back and pitch. You're adding two all-star caliber guys without having to make a deal. You yeah. play without two all-star caliber players. And I'm not saying the Reds may not need a another significant piece in the in this whatever this window is for right. them in terms of in the next few years oh, I think, they I feel think like they they're building something yeah, I think they, they may need, need to add another big time player sure. or trade or free agency I don't after the year or something but right now as things stand it feels like everything's trending in the right direction to where you're definitely not going to be mortgaging your future correct. for this year that's you're, correct you're not that competitive that is correct you're competitive but not yeah. in the hunt really yeah no I, and and you're not moving some of the younger younger guy you're just not doing it so. no. Um, but it, we, you know, we're trying to talk in specifics here. There has been a specific name that has been thrown out. It wouldn't be, it wouldn't make the Reds buyers, I wouldn't think. But it is an interesting proposition. It came out on Tuesday that the Yankees are in pursuit of Reds ace Luis Castillo. Castillo ranks second in the National League with a 2.56 ERA to go with a seven and two record, and he's walked the fewest batters in the majors out of starters with the minimum number of innings. In addition, he is under team control through 2023 and not even arbitration eligible until 2021. The Yankees do have a wealth of talent to deal from, including top prospects like 20-year-old pitcher Dive Garcia, who's been dominant at AA this year, and 21-year-old outfielder Estevan Florial, who is the top-ranked prospect in the organization, to go along with 24-year-old outfielder Clint Frazier, the current starting right fielder for the big league club who is rumored to be on the trading block. Do you think the Reds should consider trading Luis Castillo for the right offer, or is he an untouchable considering his I, contract? I don't think there's any untouchables. I love the fact you control him. I, I that that part's great, and I would hate to see him go because I do think the world. I think he's I think he's just really good. I've thought that for a long time now. But if you're going to get a haul, I mean, if you're going to get a bounty in return, if you're getting two top prospects in a in a major league ready guy who's already playing and performing at a at a pretty decent level. You got to consider it. I know that sounds awful, and if you're a Reds fan, you're thinking, "I don't want to give up Luis Castillo." Again, you got to look at this as a big picture term. Look, this is a time where you can fleece them; they can't fleece you. you it's got to be the deal that you go. I want this, 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 whatever. I probably want one too many thises, but yeah, but whatever the number is, I here's you're not going to tell me what you're going to. Here's what I want. Here's what I want in exchange. And if you don't get it, so be it. I still control this guy's contract through 2023. I'm we're good with it. He's performing at a high level. I don't think there's anybody untouchable. I don't. Yeah, I mean, I mentioned the three names that I did from the Yankees because those are names I've seen sort of thrown around. But you're talking about uh, Floreal is their number one I, prospect that, in their organization. That's my point. You want, you want my ace? Yeah. And, I want these guys. And Garcia is the number four prospect in the organization. So, I mean, we are talking about two of their top guys plus a, a young guy that's starting for them that they think is really good. And you're losing your right fielder at the end well. of the year. Right. So, I mean... It's probably unlikely that Yankees are giving you all that mm. for Luis Castillo, but if you're the Reds, you're asking for at least that. Exactly. It's got to start there. Exactly. I mean, we're not doing it for anything less. 
I just feel like you worked so hard in Major League Baseball, especially the to Reds the, last to few years, to find I know. the ace. I know. To find pitching. And not only did you finally find a guy, and not only is he young with upside still, but you're in control of I All mean, right. he's not... He, until 2021, he can't even ask you for more money. Right. And like even at that point, you still got two more years after you have to start paying him legit salary. So I just don't... I mean, it... Even if you can get these two guys, I don't think a solid bat out in right field and two prospects, even if they're top guys, it's still you're talking about a high A ball guy and a guy at double A. Oh, no, and I, yeah, they're really talented. I, I, that's what I go back to. I don't think anybody I still don't think anybody's untouchable, but man, whatever haul you get for a guy of that caliber, it's gotta be the exact haul that you wanted, or you say, Yeah, we're good. Yeah. And like I love the Garcia kid. I mean, he just he threw five no hit innings on Monday or Tuesday, whenever it was. So like I mean, every time they write something about him, Yankee fans are going gaga and they want him to be untouchable. Right. They don't want the Yankees right. to be dealing him at all. So I, I it would certainly entice me if you're the Reds, you have to listen because you are I mean, adding more prospects and more guys in this upcoming thing, it would seem to sort of lengthen your window here. But at the same time, you, at some point, you start running into that issue of just constantly chasing and never well, actually having the team in place and, to compete. And, and that's a fair thing because I, I do think – I would say this. I do think it would be very, very hard to sell to a fan base that already is very apathetic about coming to watch you play. Um, I could understand it. I, I, and again, I go back to it, – it, it can't just be like, all right, that sounds like a good – no, no. It, it's got to be the exact deal that you want as the Reds. It can't be anything wavering from that. Um, so it might even be more than that. You're right. It, 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 maybe that's the starting point. And you go, if you want him, you need to add this guy into the mix. Maybe it's a major league bullpen arm, whatever. Um, but, man, I think it would be I, – I agree with the fact that it would be very hard to sell to the fan base. That, listen, you, you feel like you've made some ground this year. You feel like you've, you're trending in the right direction, that this still could be I – and mean, we're talking even this is, could be a playoff team. I'm probably far-fetched in believing that right. and the, thinking the that numbers, and saying that. The numbers do – Keep them in the hunt, though. Correct. I mean, you wrote that in your story where, I mean, when you start looking at, like, what the Cubs are projected to win. Right. And you extrapolate out the winning percentage the Reds have been out since that terrible start. Yeah, it got them 83 wins. Uh, and you, I'm only win, asking for five more wins to right, get to 88. They're which, right in the mix with correct, the Cubs at that correct. point. And, I mean, I'm not saying all that's going to happen. No, I know. But these teams in the National League, it's tough, but they're all beating up on each other. Correct. So no one's separating themselves other than the Dodgers, lot. Other than the Dodgers. Yeah, the Dodgers are ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. But Other than that, you're right. I mean, it is it is all of a sudden interesting enough with the numbers that you do want to compete. But I think ultimately the thing about Castillo is he's he's for now and the future. Correct. If he was just for the next two years or something, maybe you really think long and hard about this. But because and, you have and, control of him for so long, in, I just don't think you do this deal 20, no matter what. Yeah, and in 2023, the free agency time frame, you get to that point, and if you're trending in the wrong direction for whatever reason, again, injuries, guys didn't pan out, whatever, bad decisions – then he becomes a tradable chip at that point. Um, and if things are trending in the proper direction, maybe he's the guy you he's the next guy you pay. So Yeah, I could see that. Yeah. Uh the last true untouchable I remember the Reds having where this was like legitimately a big thing and it was like legitimately holding up deals, Pokey Reese. <laughs> That's the one guy from So after that point, I've always said there is no such thing as an untouchable. Correct. There should never be an untouchable. And there's not. But I I will say now that we're talking about it, Luis Castillo is the closest thing you can get he, to that he, for the Reds, I he think. He is, but again, if you're getting the exact haul you want and you are absolutely raking the team over the coals, I think you I don't think anybody's untouchable. I'm with you. I'm with you. All right. All right, Skinny. Uh, one of the other things that has been a continual storyline this year in Major League Baseball has been foul balls into the stands. We saw another one this weekend with Cody Bellinger just drilling a guy. 
do you think that the netting should just be extended all the way along the the foul to the foul poles, or what? What should Major League Baseball do at this point to fix the issue of fans getting drilled by baseball? It's commonsensical. How can you not put the netting up? What is mean, the, what's the downside? The downside is your 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 view is obstructed. No, it's not. I mean, and, you, and what? Who honestly thinks that the best seats in Major League Baseball stadiums are right behind home plate where there is netting? netting correct. I've, that's never bothered I, 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 me. Agreed. I will try, guess what? You can go have my top five seats up in left field, Chief. I will take those seats right behind home plate with the netting if it bothers you that much. Yeah, I mean, you, the, give me your the, diamond. These seats. ballparks have been built so much cozier. I mean, there's talk that this year the baseball is actually is, is being constructed differently it is and that's why we get so many home runs and maybe that's part of the reason that these foul balls are like honestly they are like projectile missiles coming at you do you think the ball what is what is that i mean we are seeing home runs at record clips i know against the, the, i think the athletic did a piece on it where they actually talked to some neurophysicist scientist person who said yeah the ball is is definitively juiced um it is weird i, I think some of it too is like i said a, you got these guys throwing 95, 98, 99 miles an hour, right? So it's coming in fast. It's going out fast. Um, the ballparks are cozier, though. Dodger Stadium has been around since 1962, and you've had, what, in the last couple of years, you had, I think one guy got hit last year and died, if I'm not mistaken, from a, from a foul ball. Um, you know, maybe you have people that are l- less paying attention, too. I don't, I don't know the answer to that. I mean, the couple of these ones, you can't get away from them. They're at you before you can even blink an eye. Um, the little kid that got hit in Houston. I mean, there's no question that poor kid has no idea the ball's coming at them. I, I mean, it's just it's common sense. Yeah, I mean, well, I hear, why would you not put the netting up? I hear people complain about cell phones and like everyone's watching their cell phones at games. Well, one, I want to look at my smartphone if I'm at a game. Like, I don't think it should be like that's a huge issue if I, I want to look why down people for are getting a hit by line drives. Of course not, because the fact of the matter is the dan- the most dangerous ones. You couldn't react to them any Correct. like you're not doing anything unless you've got a glove on and you're like ready to go. You're not making any type of play on that ball. I, I'm telling you, anymore when a line drive is scorched into the stands, my heart skips a beat because I'm thinking, man. And you, how many times it, Goofy says it actually hits an empty seat, like hits it flush on. You're thinking, man, thank goodness nobody was sitting and there. And you just hear the yeah. thud. I, I again, I don't want it, but, and this should be a ba- this should and this should not be left up to the individual clubs to decide this. This should be baseball saying mandated, mandated uh, netting all the way down each line, all the way to the foul pole. Well, at this point, don't you think they're opening themselves up for a lawsuit? Yes and no. I mean, there is a there is the disclaimer on a ticket, but I, yes, to answer your question, I would uh, but think it would so. Seem like they're being negligent at this point I, when agreed. you had case after case and everybody is sitting there talking about it. And that's what it. would eventually, I, I guess, get proven is, look, you guys keep seeing this happening and you still do nothing about it. Uh, that's on you now. Yeah, I, I mean, and again, I just, I can't figure out what, I, I'm I mean, sure it costs a little bit of money to do, but it can't be enough oh, to where it's cost no, prohibitive in any way, no, shape, or not, form. Not even, you know, you probably put an ad on it in some way, shape, or form, like the Allstate ad on a, on a field goal. Oh, yeah. I mean, you, I like that. Yeah, and you can still see through the daggone thing. So, I, I, it's just so commonsensical that I guess that's why it doesn't make sense, right? <laughs> that it, it seems like such an easy solution to, to this issue. And as players, and you can see the reaction, the human reaction of players who hit those foul balls. They feel crestfallen about it. They feel like it's their fault. No, it's not. You're playing your game. You're doing your job. You just happen to hit a place in the wrong spot. You're, you didn't do it. The, the kid for the Cubs, you could see, man, he was beside himself that he hit that kid. 
he didn't do that on purpose. He didn't all of a sudden go, I'm going to try to hook a foul ball and get that kid in row 15, section D, seat three. I'm going to hit him in the head because I don't like the way he looks and he's wearing the other. No, he was mortified that he hit the kid. And that's how most of these guys are. Correct. You see them just break down crying immediately. And it's like, can you imagine that you really have to deal with the fact that you almost just killed someone? Correct. Or, or Correct. maybe did kill Whether, someone. And, in and look, people can say, well, you know, I didn't mean it. Of course he didn't. But, uh, yeah. but the human reaction is, I did it. Yeah. It is, I mean. It is on you to a certain extent. It feels that so way when it happens. I, yeah, I go back. It, 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 this seems so easy. that over the Honestly, over the All-Star break, it should be mandated. And every team should have them put up by the time the second half starts. It, it's that simple. Yeah, I don't. I don't even think it's much of a debate at this. point. I don't point, either. But. I, I don't either. I don't know why they're leaving it up to teams to do it, and I don't know why teams aren't doing it if it's not mandated. Just do it. Yeah, I just, I, I can't. I've yet to hear an argument to me that makes that makes any type of sense of being like, oh, well, you're right. That would cause an issue, yeah. or that could make and a people difference. People aren't going to give up their season tickets because suddenly they're sitting behind the netting. Yeah. Well. I, I, okay. That is the one thing that I've heard that may be somewhat true, but is absolutely ridiculous, is that you'll get less foul balls. I won't be able to catch a ball at the game now, and I really like getting a ball tossed to me or a ball fouled off. They can still toss one to you over the netting. And it'll still be popped up over the net plenty. Yes, there'll be less. Yeah. That is true. But You'll I mean, live. come on! You want to, I go back to you want a ball that bad? Go to the, go to Dick's Sporting Goods or Cooks and get one for a dollar ninety nine. They're not that expensive. They're really not. Probably probably even over exaggerated the dollar ninety nine worth. So it's it's it, if that's an argument, that's a ridiculous argument. I'm not saying you're making it. That's a ridiculous argument. No, I totally agree. It's it's still not a, a good argument, but it's the only one that I see. Like there is a little bit of truth to it, and if that's that big of a deal to you. Maybe it's a deal breaker, I mean, but that's you're I, a pretty big loser. I, I'll tell you, I still I can still remember back when Old Riverfront Stadium was around. Um, uh, as a kid, I was in the green seats one night behind home plate, and guy, I had my hat in my hand. I was wearing a hat, and a foul ball came back, and I reached my hat up to try to catch it. My hat, it ripped my hat out of my hand and went flying backwards on a pop up. No, it was, it was a line. It was, oh, okay. it was pretty. It was it was hard hit enough. But even then, I'm I'm up. I'm elevated a little bit. And it came just over the top of the uh, of the screen, but even that took it off. I, I I can't imagine if you're sitting in that spot, just around the netting, and somebody hooked a missile at you. Man, you got no chance. You got no chance. No. Oh, stick your hand up. Okay, great. I'll break my hand then. That'll be a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. I love Hardo guys. Yeah. He's like, yeah, just if you're paying attention. Yeah. It wouldn't be a problem if you get your phone out of your. No. If you, the only thing you pay attention to is maybe maybe you can block it from hitting your face, but you're gonna break your hand. Yeah. So okay, that's nice. Great. Yeah. Glad, that's a lot glad of fun. I came to this game. Exactly. It's just it's silly. What what is your policy? on balls hit into your area like obviously if the balls hit right to you if you're at a game with buddies having a pop balls hit right to you you're gonna catch it obviously but what if the ball's like in your area like two three seats away nah, seat in front of you nah, you're nah, not nah, reaching nah, for nah. it are you no that's how i am but i've got buddies my age in their 30s going after foul balls that's still like we'll get mad at you that you didn't make more of an attempt to go get a, a foul ball and I, i'm like <laughs> what what is wrong with you? I took my youngest. We played baseball for years. I took my youngest daughter to a game. I don't know. This is probably three or four years ago. Maybe a little bit. Three or four years ago, I guess it was. And we, we got seats um, in the right field bleachers. And we weren't very high. We were probably seven or eight rows off the field. And a Giants player hit a home run. It's coming right at me. And I'm like, all right, well, how am I going to catch this? So I, I stayed, didn't even budge out of my seat. Stayed in my seat. Took my hat off again. And kind of reached out. I just barely missed it. Didn't even budge. It actually bounced off the concrete in the aisle next to me. And somebody behind me caught it. And my daughter goes, why did you try to catch it? I said, I did. I just wasn't going to make a big effort for it. I, I didn't I didn't care about it that much. 
I mean, I, I watch countless guys for home runs or balls fouled off spill beers I know, while what, trying to what, get it. It's like, that beer was $10, correct. sir. Maybe it's, more in a bigger it's market. It's gold, dude. Yeah, and you're just spilling it willy-nilly or guys falling over, yeah. potentially risking, like, I've got work tomorrow. I can't break my finger or my elbow because I was chasing after a foul ball. And if I got it, I'd give it to a kid. Yeah, exactly. If it what are you going to do with it? Here, kid, have it. Good luck to you. Honestly, what are you going to I do with it? I get kids doing it. I do get kids. Of course. But adults, no. I'm of course you. kids get it. But 30-year-olds? Correct. Getting mad? You're a loser if you go to games wanting a foul ball. Yeah, I have my, my other daughter. This is late 90s. The, my, my wife was out in San Francisco for business, and we kind of made it a vacation. And so I day game. It was actually Mark McGuire was playing for the, for the Cardinals, so I took her to a day game at Old Candlestick Park. And about four innings into it, you could see there's a bunch of empty seats down low. I said, you want to move down low? Yeah, yeah, yeah. She goes, I'll get a foul ball that way. I said, no, you won't. You, you'll go to games your whole life, honey, and you're never going to get a foul ball. And, and she, she was distraught that we didn't have one. I'm like, you have no idea. A, it's not that big a deal. I still tease her about it this. Day. I said, you remember the foul ball? She goes, yeah. She goes, she goes, I remember crying because I didn't get one. I said, yeah. I said, you still go to games with your, with your fiance, right? All the time? Yeah. I said, have you got come close? No. I'm like, because you're, you're not. It's just it's, it's it's happenstance. Happen. It's yeah. just complete happenstance. Yeah. We did get one at a minor league game in Kingsport, Tennessee, though. We well, did get a foul you get a ball. minor league game, so you got a little bit better chance. Got a lot, we had a lot better chance. Yeah. There was, I think, us and five other people at the game that night. Yeah, if you want to, go, I think Florence Friedel might make you return them. I don't uh, know. <laughs> that's, po- that's actually possible. If you stay out in the parking lot there, you can probably get a few. Yeah, you definitely get some. So, yeah, it's. I'm with you. I'm, I'm not a big foul ball guy or a, or, a, or a souvenir guy in that regard. All right, Skinny, I've got a little off the beaten path topic right. for us. It is going to be a you make the decision here. Which which person scares you more? Okay, Ooh. we've got two different stories here. Okay. The first. A man allegedly placed a homemade bomb behind a Pennsylvania hotel on Sunday and claimed it was a warning that aliens will destroy the planet if humans didn't start being good people, police said. David Oxenrider, 29, was taken into custody by state troopers after they responded to the scene at the Bainey House in Myerstown, a city roughly 25 miles north of Lancaster where he reportedly lives. Oxenrider told investigators he encountered aliens and a UFO in 2014. He claimed the aliens told him, quote, Humans need to start being good people or else they were going to destroy the earth with a nuclear laser beam. The 29-year-old, according to a criminal complaint, says he tells people about the aliens, but people tell him he's crazy in return. So he allegedly created the bomb to warn authorities and obviously prove that he's not crazy. Correct. He wanted a little bit of credibility in the streets. And the second story for you is about a Hooters waitress. A finalist in the Miss Hooters Tennessee pageant has been arrested for allegedly vandalizing her boyfriend's apartment just hours after he pulled the plug on their relationship. Madison Rogers, 21, was booked into the Nashville jail earlier this month on charges of aggravated burglary and vandalism. According to police, Rogers, who placed in the top five of the local beauty contest organized by Hooters, was caught on security videos smashing up her ex's home on May 31st. On that day, police were called to the residence for a report of a home invasion. The victim, who has not been named, told investigators that he had split up with Rogers earlier that day after two years of dating. When he returned home later, Rogers showed up at his house, kicked in the door, and began assaulting him. The man told officers he restrained the 21-year-old blonde to stop her from hitting him, carried her outside, and called 911. While waiting for police to arrive, Rogers reportedly yelled at her ex-boyfriend if he, quote, liked the upstairs, referring to the second floor of his home. By the time police arrived on the scene, Rogers had run away. The victim went upstairs and found his bedroom, bathroom, and closet in shambles. Well, the first guy's clearly crazier. By the way, she was arrested on June 7th, weeks later, on outstanding warrant charges. So she ran from the police for a couple weeks before they uh, finally got her. And obviously for good reason, too. Um, Yeah, that's just a relationship gone wrong. That that happens a lot. But... The thing I I would say, too, though, man, if you're hot Hooters waitress who finished fifth in the 
in the you're going to find another guy. There's there's a lot of fish out there, sister. That's why you got to be a little bit scared of her. Like you would think she would know there's other fish in the sea. She would think she unless probably this guy was it. super super special for whatever reason. And it could be multiple reasons. It could be multiple reasons. Um, but no, no. The, the other guy's clearly crazier for for one set reason. As you read through that story, the only thing that popped in my head was the aliens told him be be kind. That humans need to be kinder to each other, right? Yeah. So blowing up a, a building where humans would be in and possibly killing them is being kind. Yeah, oh yeah, according to him, it was being good people because he was alerting everybody that the right. aliens then were telling go, him that. Go yeah. blow up something like it's an inanimate object that doesn't yeah. doesn't breathe. It's a, maybe just a a shack out in the woods or whatever. Whatever you need to do to pay, to get people to pay attention, that's fine. That part, look, I, I can't call the guy crazy because he believes in aliens. I can't. I I, I honestly can't. Um, I, me neither. Um, so Did, does Bob Lazar? Does that name ring a bell to you at all? No. So apparently he was the guy back in the day, I guess this was in the 80s or 90s or 70s, whatever Area 51 became a big thing. Okay. Um, I just watched, there's a documentary on Netflix, it's brand new, I just watched it last night and I'm, Mesmerous. my mind is going nuts with alien theories now because this guy, uh, it, it, Area 51, there was another section called, I think, Area 4 is where oh, he I didn't worked. Oh, I know that part, okay. Yeah, and, and he called them out on it. Back in the day on, on the newscast, he, he did a whole interview, but he was blacked out, anonymous, and they called him Danny instead of Bob. But now, he just now, he decided to do this documentary, and the main reason he's telling this stuff is because like he wants receipts out there for if he disappears or just randomly gets killed because, and, and by the way, while they were filming documentary, the FBI was raiding his place and stuff wow. like hearing conversations he was having and then wow. raiding his place the next day. So, I mean, aliens exist. That's a fact. Yeah. I don't think this guy's crazy for that. I think he's just crazy that, listen, if that was the message they gave you, don't go blow up a building that could kill people. Because you're not being kind to them. Yeah, and I, I mean, he didn't blow up the building. He put a bomb behind it that was found. I don't know sort of, you know, what the overall intention yeah, there, maybe there was. there was no trigger, but... Yeah, but I, I I'm scared. I'm more scared of the Hooters waitress. I got to be honest. I think I think the guy who knows that there are aliens is. I think it's, I will say it sounds like the, the Hooters waitress ex boyfriend handled the situation well. Didn't fight back. Yeah, just carry her, her, outside. her outside to get her out of the situation. But you called nine one one. That's got to be rough while you're sitting there thinking. Well, yeah, she just punched me three times and maybe clawed my face a little bit. But <laughs> we're outside. The cops are on their way. This is just going to be a bad few hours. And then she yells that, how do you like the upstairs line? That is that is a little nutty. That's bad deal, man. But again, it's not the first relationship that's that's gone wrong and, and weird stuff like that's happened, right? No, but not all of them require a $20,000 remodel on the home, you know? That's a good point, too. There that's is, there that's is. rough when you got to redo your entire bedroom and bathroom and <laughs> closet. I don't think that relationship is going to mend. Do no, you? No, I mean, looking at some of the pictures, I'll be honest, I've seen crazier things happen in terms of guys getting back with girls. There's, I wouldn't rule it out entirely. Guys aren't the smartest beans. Um, but, yeah, I think I would probably take a pass on uh, Madison Rogers. Yeah, I, I would think I would, too. All right, Rick, as always, enjoyed it. We'll be back next week with uh, local topics, sports-wise, national topics, and maybe even a Hooters waitress story or two. I've got a couple of my own I may share next week. Hooters waitress stories. There you go. The skinny oh, po- it's, the, it's the skinny That's podcast. I'm Richard Skinner for Rick Brewing. And as always, it's presented by Joseph Chevrolet.